Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 171, and we're discussing the best and worst of 2023 anime. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. We have reached the final episode of Strictly Anime for the year 2023. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays, everyone. And I think at this point, we could even say... Happy New Year. Yeah. I mean, it's just a week after Christmas, as it usually is. Uh, But hopefully all of you are celebrating the holidays in a big way, or even in a small way. We just hope that you're enjoying yourselves. Yeah, on our end, we have a lot planned for the holidays because everyone's super excited to see our, our baby, understandably so. But I think we're doing something different this year for New Year's Eve for the very first time ever, at least that I can remember. We're going to do absolutely nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it's super exciting. We're just going to keep it low key. We're just going to hang out, the two of us and our our son and Rigby at our house and ring in the new year. I feel like that that's when you know you've reached peak adulthood is <laughs> when New Year's Eve comes around and you know when you're younger you want to go out and party and go to the clubs and participate in the countdown but then as you get older you find yourself (laughs) your body's like ailing you and you're just more cranky (laughs) and and when it comes to new year's eve you'd rather just stay at home be away from crowds and from people and, and just have have a peaceful night yeah, I think with the chaos of 2023, and I say chaos in a good way because there's just been so many wonderful things um, that have happened this year. Uh, it's just a lot all at once. I think it's nice to just go into the new year not being like drunk and hungover um, or tired from staying up extremely late. I mean, we're going to ring in the new year. We're going to stay up past midnight, but maybe not until like four in the morning like we've done before. Is the little boy going to stay up? Uh, he's going to celebrate <laughs> early. <laughs> we'll do a, a, a countdown with him at 7 p.m. And then we'll do the real countdown at midnight. I was going to say we just burst into his room oh with you know, like the, what do you call those things? The poppers. Yeah. And then just start screaming Happy New Year. Just rip him out of his sleep and he just starts <laughs> crying. Great way to start the year for him. So for this extra special end of the year episode, we have an extra special Tokyo Treat box to share. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Tokyo Treat, we've been collabing with them for a few months now, and they are a monthly pop Japanese snack subscription box where you get up to 20 exclusive limited edition and seasonal flavor Japanese snacks that are only available in Japan for a limited time. Tokyo Treat wants to invite everyone to experience Japan from the comfort of your own homes through their snack boxes. And let me tell you, this bad boy is packed with snacks. When I grabbed the box and I lifted it, I was like, whew, this got some weight to it. So this month's theme is perfect for the end of the year. It's the New Year Snack and Party. Celebrate the New Year with Tokyo Treat's New Year Snack and Party box. It's filled with snacks inspired by Japan's Oshogatsu or New Year's holiday, such as Lucky Red and White Kit Kats, Age Mochi or Deep Fried Mochi Snacks, Itomen Yamaimo Soba, and many more. I actually, that was the first thing I noticed when I opened the box. There's an actual soba packet, like a ramen packet, but it's soba. 
I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like an instant soba? I think so. What does it say in the booklet? Because the, the Tokyo Treat Box always comes with a booklet that has tons of information about the snacks, about Japan, and even allergen information. Yeah, so it says here that it's an Itomen Yamaimo Soba instant soba packet. Uh, it says that soba noodles are eaten on New Year's to promote prosperity, a long life, and a happy home. So this would be perfect for a New Year's Eve meal in preparation for the new year. Uh, it does come with instructions on how to prepare it. Uh, and as Courtney said, it does contain information on, on any ingredients that could be potential allergens. Uh, but yeah, it also has just a wealth of information about how New Year's is celebrated in Japan. Because I know that Japan goes pretty big on celebrations at the end of the year. Uh, one thing that caught my eye is that it has a little bit of info on what is called the red and white song battle that they do on TV to celebrate New Year's. And this year, one of my favorite, or I guess my all-time favorite Japanese music group was invited to the red and white song battle, Atara Shikako, because I can see their picture right in this book. You got so <laughs> excited. You were skimming through the book as soon as we opened the box. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, and I look over, I'm like, there they are. <laughs> yeah, and I, I knew that they were invited to this program. So I was just thrilled to see that Tokyo Treat acknowledged them in, in their booklet as well. So let's jump into our favorite part, which is trying the snack. So I've got the red and white New Year's Eve Kit Kat here, which I have never seen before because we've never been to Japan during New Year's. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because we always, really, the, the times that we've went, they always had like Christmas themed snacks. Uh, but this will be interesting to see you know, what they have as an assortment for New Year's. I, on the other hand, will be trying a savory snack. Uh, this is the Kabayaki Taro Jerky, which has a char grilled eel flavor. And I love eel unagi. So I'm excited to try this one. All right, time for the ASMR. I'm going to take a bite of this Kit Kat. Can you I wonder how how loud that's going to be on the on the podcast. <laughs> I'm so sorry if this is very loud, yeah, but it have, is so good. <laughs> should have apologized in advance while you're chewing that I'm trying to open up this packet for this jerky and I'm going to take a bite of this. <laughs> I mean my my jerky doesn't have that crunch to it. Yeah. Like your Kit Kat. Does. It was so silent compared to my Kit Kat. Mm -hmm. But it is bursting with that nice eel flavor. Oh. You really do love eel. When we went to Japan last, you were on the hunt for an eel restaurant. Luckily, there was one near where we were staying. Yeah, I wish we would have gone there many more times. But this, this jerky brings me back. Oh, man. My mouth is just full of that unagi Permeating umami. Permeating with the eel flavor. <laughs> unagi umami. <laughs> so the next one I'm going to try is the aji curry crackers. Is that right? Yes, um, this beloved snack is famous for its curry flavor, a beloved homestyle dish all across the country. All right, here we go. I'm going to rip it open. Sorry, some some crinkly bag in the background. Ooh, that smells so good. Does it smell like curry? Yeah, wow, that smells really <laughs> good. Oh my God, I can't wait to try this. And I will be trying the Good Luck Taiyaki, which is a, a fish cake or a not a fish, like it's shaped... It's shaped in, like a taiyaki, right? Yeah, like a like a fish. 
Um, and this has a smooth chocolatey center. Which, Ooh, chocolate. Yeah, we went to get taiyaki um, on our trip too. It was like a, being sold at a, a local stall, I think, when we went to As Asakusa. <laughs> so I'm trying to open up this packet again. Again, I'm sorry if I'm bursting everyone's eardrums right All now. All the headphone users are like, whoa. Oh, look at this. I should oh, my God. A, I want to take, I'll take a picture of this. <laughs> Cause that know, thing's like, huge. Yeah. I know your sister loves taiyaki. She does. She'd probably be jealous of me eating this right now. All right, ready? I'm going to eat the cracker. You're going to have the taiyaki. Here we All go. Right. ASMR. Oh, my God. Wow, that tastes really good. Oh my god, the the curry flavor is like really, really, um, like on like on point. It's on point. You can smell it and taste it at the, t at the same time, which is like so nice. Yeah, this even though you know this is a packaged food, it does taste like the taiyaki that we had at Asakusa. You gotta try one of the curry crackers. Here, I'll pass you one. Oh wow! Isn't that good? <laughs> mm hmm It's just like, you know how like they have those bouillon cubes that you, you put in like broth or whatever or like water. Yeah. It, this is like a curry bouillon cube to me, with how much flavor there is. Yeah, this the flavor is like the right amount of intensity, where it's like really curry but not like overdoing it. Although I feel like we're overdoing it with the. The crunchy, crunchy ASMR. Crunchy, crunchy. <laughs> so just don't just listen to us as we are enjoying this Tokyo Treat Box. Join us in saying Akemashite Omedeto Gozaimasu to 2024 with the New Year Snack and Party Box from Tokyo Treat. And you know what? Why not have your loved ones ring in the New Year in style as well with their own Tokyo Treat Box, which is the perfect gift for the food lover or full-on weeb in your life. So make sure to use code STRICTLYANIME for $5 off your first Tokyo Treat box through the link in our description, team.tokyotreat.com slash strictlyanime. And yes, they do ship worldwide. Thank you once again to Tokyo Treat for sponsoring this box and allowing us to experience a taste of New Year's Eve in Japan. No pun intended. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing before we talk about 2023, the year in anime. We have a favorite to ask of you guys, which is something we've asked before on the podcast. If you have been listening to us for a while now, or if you're one of the, the new joiners in 2023 and you've been enjoying our podcast, what we talk about here, what we do here at Strictly Anime, we'd love it if you could support us. And there's many different ways to do so. Um, one of the best ways that podcasts grow is via word of mouth. So if you have a weeb friend who loves podcasts or a weeb friend who doesn't love podcasts, um, but likes talking about anime, likes hearing about anime discussions, um, get them into our podcast. You could share Strictly Anime with them and encourage them to give us a listen. And for whatever podcast streaming platform you're on, if they have the ability to leave a rating, please do so. That helps us out a ton, especially if you're on Spotify. It's super easy on the iOS or Android app. You just go to our podcast, which if you're listening to us, you're probably already there. Um, you go to the star and you leave us a rating. And then you can also follow us on your same platform so you can get notified when new episodes are live. And then if you want to interact with us more directly, you can join our Discord. Um, we have a, a really great Discord community, awesome people there who love talking about anything from anime to manga to traveling 
to normie stuff. We talk about it all. So we encourage you guys to join us. You can also reach out to us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series or X or whatever we're calling it now. And then if you have a few dollars you want to throw our way and get access to some bonus content, then you can join our Patreon page. We have a lot of awesome patrons there who are also members of our Discord. So if you're interested, head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series. And now it's time to reflect on 2023 with the last episode of the year. I can't believe we're here. Um, Yeah, it's another year gone by for Strictly Anime, and it has been... It has been quite a year, that's for sure. Yeah, we've had some big changes this year, both in our podcast lives and in our personal lives. So needless to say that 2023 was quite a memorable year. Although I I feel like I didn't watch as many anime as I would have liked. Mostly like the major players in each season. And, you know, there's good reason for that. There's... There's a, a little human sleeping in the other room right now that took up most of our time. But I would say that, you know, it, we, we still made the best of it when it came to the anime year in review. Yeah, I think the biggest change in our personal lives this year is definitely the the birth of our son and becoming new parents. And I feel like it's changed um, the way we approach our anime watching, at least for me, maybe for you as well. Let me know if, if, if you... I have changed your mentality the same way, but I tend to be more strategic in my anime watching choices. In the past, I would just throw anything and everything on my watch list. I'm like, I'll try this out. I'll try that out. But now with limited time available to watch anime, I find myself really scrutinizing the shows that I'm going to watch. I still try to watch as many as possible. Um, in the past, we I was probably watching 15 to 20 in a season. Now I'm closer to like, 10 to 15 per season which is still a lot (laughs) it's still a lot but i yeah it does force me to have to really think about a show look at the pv look at the synopsis look at some of the like early hype and decide is this going to be worth my time yeah i think those are changes that i've seen for myself when it comes to watching anime this year i I also feel like i've become more of like a night owl uh you know because we put our son to bed um, right in the early evening, and so that kind of frees up the rest of the night for us to catch up on podcasts, catch up on shows. Um, and yeah, I find myself probably staying up even later into the hours of the night, um, so I try to squeeze in as much anime as I can. But like you said, it's always just a game of trying to weigh and balance whether or not certain anime are worth my time and it's also been tricky because even though i i stay up later i i'm kind of a little more tired and you know that's because of partly because of you know work and also just caring for our our young one which is all worth it like don't get me wrong but yeah it's it's hard to devote more time and energy to watching anime um when you're approaching like the late hours of the night but like i said you 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 do what you can and i think we did a pretty damn good job in kind of balancing that personal stuff with our podcast stuff yeah and speaking of the the podcast stuff um i would say one of the biggest changes that strictly anime saw this year is 
Um, I want to say maybe about like doubling our listener base. We saw a ton of growth this year. So we cannot thank you guys enough for all of your support. Um, And for everyone who joined us this year in 2023, welcome. Um, Thank you for listening. And we hope you stick it through for the long haul because we have lots of anime to talk about um, in the future. Uh, Well, let's let's look at the stats for this year. Um, We had a total of 53 episodes, um, 53 being uh, one extra episode with our Attack on Titan special event. Um, we did have, it was supposed to be two of them because of the, the weird situation with the AOT final chapters, whatever special. Part thing. one and two. Yeah. But we ended up doing the second half as an actual episode. So we totaled 53 episodes this year, which is a lot. That's one each week plus an extra one. Yeah logically makes sense (laughs) and our most listened to episode was actually episode 120 chainsaw man which was the very first episode of the year yeah started off this year very strong (laughs) (laughs) and normally we shout out all of the guests that we had on the show in the past year but this year we took a pause um from having guests on just because again the chaos of being new parents and and trying to struck a balance um, in our time between the podcast and taking care of our son. Um, We decided let's hold off on that. Um, But we are very excited to bring guests back onto the podcast starting next year. So all in all, thank you guys so much again for all of your support, for sticking it through another year with us. And we've got a really good best and worst discussion for you to close out 2023. So it's been a year since we've done this discussion topic, of course, because it is an annual episode. Let's recap the ground rules. First and foremost, this is not an award show or a ranking or anything like that. It is really just the best and worst of the things that we watched in 2023. Um, it's it's not going to be the be-all, end-all. It's not the ultimate list, not the epitome of, of what happened this year. It's just the stuff that we think was the best of what we experienced and the worst of what we experienced. And we're only counting anime that completed in the year 2023. So for example, My Hero Academia Season 6 is considered to have completed in 2023. It finished airing in 2023, even though it began airing in 2022. On the flip side, We would not consider something like Free Run Beyond Journey's End to be completed this year because it's still ongoing and it's actually going to be done airing next year, 2024. I would say there are some caveats to this rule. Like you could consider an OP or an ED from an anime like Free Run that didn't complete in 2023 because you've already seen it. It's not changing. It's going to be the same OP and ED, you know, every single episode. So you could say, I've seen it once. I understand it. I can... I can consider that for this year. And the reason that we do this is because we only feel right talking about an anime that has finished airing so that we have the complete full context about what this anime, you know, how how it all played out. And we feel that we can actually comment accurately on the show or the season or whatever um, as it played out in 2023. Because sometimes... You see ratings and reviews for something that has not finished and and maybe the end of it isn't as amazing or isn't as terrible as you expect. And I think in the past, we've also done honorable mentions. We are not doing that this year. We are forcing ourselves to choose just one 
best and worst in each of these categories. So that's my toughest thing. You know me, I love to like curate, but I also love to give credit where credit's due. So that's the one, one thing I struggle with the most every year with this list is having to pick just one best and worst. I didn't have any trouble, but that's because I didn't watch that many anime this year. I think probably close to 20 or or 25 for the entire year. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that kind of, like, it doesn't make these superlative choices that exhaustive, at least on my end. But hopefully you all will get a kick out of our, our choices. And, of course, you're more than welcome to share yours on the Discord uh, once this episode goes live. And that's just another plug for our Discord. If you're not a member, the link to that is in the description. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I don't think a lot of these were, were no-brainers for me. Maybe like a couple categories where I had to think about it. But yeah, I, I think this is probably the cleanest best and worst year selections that I've made of the, I guess, three years that we've done this. <laughs> well, uh, let's do one of my favorite parts of this episode, which is the rundown. So this is for context and it's kind of a fun look back. Um, it's a quick rundown of every anime that we watched from 2023. We don't really count like OVAs or one-off specials. Um, and this is a, a, com a combined list um, for both myself and Carl. So not every anime both of us have seen, but uh, here we go. If I counted correctly, I think we have somewhere between 62 to 65. So strap in everybody. <laughs> Yeah, what, 50 of those are anime that you probably watched. <laughs> All right. Whew, deep breath. Here we go. So we have watched in 2023, Buddy Daddies, High Card, Don't Toy With Me Nagatoro Season 2, Revenger, My Life as Inukai-san's Dog, good lord, um, Ice Guy and His Cool Female Colleague, Kubo-san Won't Let Me Be Invisible, Inspector Season 2, The Misfit of Demon King Academy Season 2, Near Automata, Spy Classroom, Tokyo Revengers Christmas Showdown and the Tenjiku Arc, Tomochan is a Girl, Tsurune the Linking Shot, Villain Saga Season 2, My Hero Academia Season 6, Play It Cool Guys, Eternal Boys, Two Year Eternity Season 2, Golden Kamui Season 4, Uncle from Another World, Urusei Yatsura, The Way of the House Husband Season 2, Junji Ito Maniac, AOT, The Final Season, The Final Chapters, Part 1 and 2, Oshinoko, The Dangers in My Heart, Dr. Stone, New World, Hell's Paradise, Why Ray Liana Ended Up at the Duke's Mansion, Demon Slayer, Swordsmith, Village Arc, Insomniacs After School, Konosuba, An Explosion on This Wonderful World, uh, My Home Hero, Trigon Stampede, Ranking of Kings, The Treasure Chest of Courage, Skip and Loafer, The Angel Next Door... <laughs> The Angel Next Door spoils me rotten. Heavenly Delusion, The Marginal Service, My Love Story with Yamada-kun at level 999, The Devil's a Part-Timer Season 2, Horimiya Peace, Kamikatsu Working for a God in a Godless World, Magical Destroyers, Reborn, Reborn, <laughs> Reborn as a Vending Machine, I now wonder the dungeon. I'm going to keep going. Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 3, Mushoku Tensei Season 2, Roni Kenshin, uh, The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses, My Happy Marriage, Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead, Oh God, I Can't Breathe, Duck little adventure <laughs> the boy and the heron my new boss is goofy the kingdoms of ruin rom kamono hashi's for forbidden deductions i don't know why they chose to localize it that way our dating story the experienced you and the inexperienced me a girl and her guard dog spy family season two the rising of the shield hero season three pluto 
Oh, okay. And then uh, three of them that technically did not end in 2023. So we're not going to consider these, but want to shout them out because we are watching them this season. The Apothecary Diaries, Free Run Beyond Journey's End, and Undead on Luck. Wow. What a 2023. <laughs> I can breathe. <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, yeah, we watched a lot. But yeah, a lot of those names, I was just tally in my head our, our anime that you watched <laughs> all right so now it's time to talk about the best and worst um same categories as always and the first category we're going to talk about is protagonist all right who's doing the honors do you want me to go first or do you want to go first or do we want to junk in for it i guess we could junk in okay ready is it on shoot? How do we do this? We, yes, we don't ever do this. Show wagu, John can pull. Okay. Right? I can't see your hand, but I'm on pon? Sure. So, sai show wagu, John can pon. Sai show wagu, John can pon. Oh my God. Sai show wagu, John can pon. Oh, Courtney had scissors and I had paper. Okay. So, I'm starting this off. So, when it comes to protagonist, for best protagonist of 2023, I have chosen Ai Hoshino from Oshinoko. Oh, I had a feeling we were going to share best protagonist. But But we didn't? No. We didn't. This one one was weird for me. I wasn't expecting to choose Ai. And she's only... Okay, so again, just a reminder. This is like decently full spoilers for any of the anime we're going to talk about. So if you hear an anime... Um, you may want to skip ahead just in case, but you know, want to call that out because I, I do want to reflect on these shows and explain why we're choosing them. So we're probably going to go into some spoiler territory. So when it comes to I, um, she's only in the first episode, but she commanded everyone's attention from start to finish. She was charming. She was cute, lively, but also dark and mysterious. And watching her go from idol to devoted mother was. A, a total emotional roller coaster. I, even though I enjoyed Oshinoko as a whole, I felt empty when Ai's character had the the re, the end result that she had in the first episode. When because, she did the thing, yeah, when she did the thing, <laughs> because then it focuses on Ruby and Aqua, but there was always this emptiness that was present because she was not there. Um, and, and there were moments where they had flashbacks about her, um, or talked about her. And those to me were some of the most interesting moments. So when someone has that lasting effect on their show, despite only being truly present in that first episode, to me, that is a powerful protagonist. So I, I love, I, I think she's a great character. Um, and I, I, it's it's weird saying I, and I think that she is one of the best, if not the best, protagonists of the year. I would say that I is a relevant choice for you, especially since you became a mother this year. Oh, so, yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I didn't that's think about that. why you feel so connected to her. But yeah, it's a that's a good choice for a best protagonist because, uh, like you said, even though I isn't present for most of this first season you can you can still feel her presence in some shape or form and how much that has an effect on all these characters and on the entertainment industry as a whole uh, I, I think that's pretty evident with her her two children who kind of continue doing the work that she does um, and 
No, it's it's just a, a very unique thing to see the protagonist of the show kind of take a, a back seat in this case, but still feel like such a strong, significant main character. Like I said earlier, I thought we were going to share the choice for best protagonist. And that's because I thought you were going to choose this character as well. Maybe it would have been an honorable mention, but I went with Torfin from Vinland Saga Season 2 as best protagonist for 2023. I considered it. I heavily considered choosing Thorfinn, um, but I think I had something a little extra over Thorfinn. Well, in my purview, (laughs) (laughs) I think that Thorfinn's character arc from Season 1 to Season 2 has been the most transformative and I would say most beautiful thing to witness in recent memory. And I know that Vinland Saga Season 2 was a bit controversial for some people because of the change in story, the change in tone for these characters. But I feel like, you know, we still see Torfinn tearing shit up when he needs to, but he has he's become a new sort of man, and I think in, in a better way in Season 2. At the start of it, we see... Torfinn as a broken man who's just weighed down by the guilt of his past. But by the end of the season, he's become a renewed soul inspired to change the world in whatever way that he can. And like I said, some people may say that it was a trajectory that took the teeth out of the character. But for me, it fully humanizes Torfinn in a way that makes you realize that no one can ever be too far gone from finding their true authentic self. And that's that's the thing that I took away from his character the most. And I think in, in certain respects, both I and Torfinn are very humanized characters in how their stories are portrayed. And I think that's why they're both great choices for best protagonists because they're protagonists that we, we can really identify with. Like you, like I said earlier, probably identify with I because of her motherly qualities and I identify with Torfinn because of the sort of redemptive and self-loving qualities that he possesses. I was wondering where where you were going to go with that. I'm like, are you depressed? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not a cold blood killer who who needs to forgive himself. But you know, just just that human the human aspect of these characters. Moving on to the worst protagonist of 2023, I have chosen. Adonis from the Kingdoms of Ruin. So Carl has not seen this anime, uh, but he he's got that like obscurity thing going on where he's basically a protagonist, but then also kind of the antagonist at the same time. Um, and I put this anime on my watch list this year because Adonis seemed like a male son today, which he is, um, but he's the worst kind of male son today. He's pretty much abusive. He's psychotic. Um, he's a mass murderer. And it's difficult for me to find any redeeming qualities about him as a male Sunday. So as much as I love male Sunday, and as much as I have a pretty high tolerance for the, some of the things that they do, I do have a limit. And he oversteps that limit. So I, I would not categorize him as like one of the males in the day I do enjoy watching so yeah pretty pretty disappointed in a lot of his choices 
and they try to paint him in a certain light or try to justify his actions and to himself he feels pretty justified but when you take a step back and look at how he behaves especially to his companion who's just trying to help him i just shake my head in a big fat no i don't know anything about kingdoms of ruin but every time you say the word adonis or the name adonis it reminds us of we have that as a nickname for one of our friends Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't know if there's any relation there, but yeah. Well, no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> would you say that your experience with Adonis was ruined? <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> On the flip side, for me, I put as the worst protagonist for 2023 Sadao Mao from The Devil is a Part Timer Season 2. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Because, <laughs> I mean, he... like, he, he's, I think he's fine. I think the show just is not as good as it used to be. But tell me, okay. tell me more. I'm, I'm no, curious. I'm really yeah, curious. I guess this is, this is within the context of season two. Or I don't know. I think some people are calling this season three. Seasons two and three. Whatever it is. I feel like Mao is just very different from what he was in season one. And, you know, that could be for a good thing because, you know, Mao, as the, the, the demon king, wanted to take over, like, like Ente Isla and wanted to now take over Japan. But things changed along the way, so he's kind of lightened his stance. But it just feels like he's so uninspired this season, and I feel like he doesn't do too much in comparison to the stuff that he does in season one. I guess for lack of a better term, I feel that Mao has kind of been cucked in season two. He just doesn't have the teeth behind him. And I think that's part of like what happens in season two is that people, or like Ente Isla doesn't really see him as a threat anymore. Or, like, find him to be easily taken care of. You know what I mean? Like, he just he just doesn't feel like that threatening demon king, like that presence anymore. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it's okay that his character development is about him changing for the better and realizing, like, the path that he was on may not have matched his ultimate goals. But... You're right. He is very uninspired. It's almost like you can change your your trajectory. Your trajectory you can change course as long as you still have a drive behind you. He doesn't have that anymore. In fact, he feels like he kind of took a step back this season. Um, and other characters were shining way more than he was. So I agree. It kind of felt like Sadao was just like, or Mao was just um, it was just in the background most of the time. Yeah, maybe it's just the pacing of the story that really mucked up his character trajectory. Now we move on to antagonist. So starting off with my choice for best antagonist of 2023, I have Toji Fushiguro, <laughs> Daddy's Home, <laughs> Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2. So I I knew something was up when I saw Twitter. Twitter was a buzz. Twitter was hyping up this character when Mappa started dropping, dropping trailers and, and whatnot, um, visuals for the second season as it was leading up to it. 
And then I got excited about him. I got invested in him when I learned that he's Megumi's dad. I'm like, let's go. Megumi Fushiguro is my favorite character of JJK. So this is this is all great. Um, and that that was like that was enough for me, right? I'm like, he's probably an interesting character. You know, it's it's cool that he, that's his dad. I'm excited to see them interact. Whatever. Um, everyone was drooling over Daddy Fushiguro, so yeah, I just figured he'd be eye candy. But then. I learn he's actually a pretty complex and interesting villain because he de- defies a lot of the logic in Jujutsu Kaisen. He rejects being a Zenin, which is like one of the most prestigious clans um, and has some of the most powerful individuals in it. He's like, nope, fuck that. I don't want that. Um, I'm going to take my wife's last name instead just so I can get as far away from them as possible. He's not a cursed user, but he's a fucking powerhouse. He's more powerful than the majority of cursed users. And then while all signs point to him being a bad dad, which I think, yes, he is technically a bad dad. He still cares about his son in his own sort of like weird bad dad way. <laughs> like a lot of bad dads in anime. He still cares about his son. And um, yeah, he makes some choices in uh, in the prequel part of season two as well as current day part of season two that point to the fact that he may not be the best dad but at the end of the day still wants the best for his son so that that adds to his complexity that that kind of puts him in that gray area of villain um and yeah i don't know i really enjoyed his character and he had some fucking awesome fight scenes yeah i feel like Toji was probably better categorized as an anti-hero than an antagonist, but although he did kill who he killed in the prequel, so yeah, that's true. <laughs> there is that, but I don't know. I feel like that was just more like a contractual obligation. <laughs> he, was he was just trying to make money. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's just I feel like he's more just rebellious against the powers that be and the norms in this sort of cursed society. Um, But yeah, I would say there are qualities of him that make him redeemable as, as a sort of father figure. And I think that's also like Toji is also great because he's, he's voiced by Takehito Koyasu, the voice of Dio and Zeke uh, from Jojo and Attack on Titan respectively. So that just enhances the sort of, villainous antagonistic nature of the character for my best antagonist of 2023 i don't care if you call this a really basic answer i put aaron yeager from attack on titan the final season the final chapters so yes two years in a row that aaron has been best antagonist (laughs) on my list but i think for the the final chapters both parts one and two i think we we finally understand why Aaron is the way that he is in the final season. And without giving away too much about what happens for those who haven't watched AOT or caught up yet, all I can say is that Aaron stuck to his guns and he played quite the long game in achieving his plans for this world of humans and titans. Yeah, I mean, I personally still put him in the protagonist category, but you're right. He does straddle that line of protagonist versus antagonist but yeah i mean solid choice he he is a historical character at this point now my pick for worst antagonist of the year um goes to gyoko do you know who that is is 
You can say yeah. no, you don't, because oh, that's fine. That's why he's like worst. A, a character from Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> no, he's from Demon Slayer Swordsmith oh, okay. Village. He's the um, still the uh, upper rank demon in the pot. Yeah, still related to evil curse demon things okay, yes yeah. <laughs> so this fucker was supposed to be one of the strongest demons uh, around i remember this yes and he barely did anything i think his only point was to help get the other demons to the hidden swordsmith village arc but then i don't think they really even explained how the fuck he knew that he just knew that information and all i can recall from his part of like the show or his scenes is that at one point he sucked someone into his pot and there was blood everywhere. <laughs> and then he just kind of hung out for a while until he battled somebody and then was defeated. I don't even know who he fought. Was it the Mist Hashira? Yeah. Okay. I don't even remember what the fight was like because he was just so pointless. The other demon, um, the one with the split personalities, that one like carried the season. I don't think it was necessary to have multiple upper rank demons at the same time because clearly they didn't devote any time to Gyoko. I didn't even know, remember his name. I had to look it up for my list. Yeah, I just remember that Gyoko was taken care of so easily. It's by Muichiro, who was the Miss Hashira. Yeah, which is a testament to a Hashira's ability, but also kind of like defeats the purpose of him being this like scary upper rank demon. Right. It feels like he was just an insert villain here kind of choice just to give the the Hashira that was the focus of this arc to give them something to deal with. For me, the worst antagonist for 2023, maybe you can help me with this answer, is whoever the fuck are supposed to be the villains in The Devil is a Part-Timer Season 2. Oh. Do you, do you know who the villains are? The angels. Okay. I think. It, I, it was, I, I, I'm yeah. not sure, honestly. <laughs> no, I wasn't sure either. Like, was it Gabriel? Was it. I mean, kinda, yeah. Was it the church? Was it the, the old guy that looks like Pixis's twin? They're, yeah, they're like, they're pulling some, like, uh, reverse Uno card or some shit where, like, you think that the, the demons are actually the antagonists, but guess what? It's actually the angels you thought were the good guys. Oh my God. But they're not doing it very well. And they're, it's not really flushed out yet in the story, like, where we're at in the story. So, I mean, they're, they're dropping major hints to it. Okay. But I guess because of all of that, like, the story. Of the devil is a part timer in season two has just become so convoluted that I can't even tell you what exactly Mao and Emmy and who I call the Demon Duong Gang like what they're fighting against anymore. I mean, yes, it, it is like a a sort of battle between heaven and earth, which I that's kind of an AOT spoiler. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, like I. I was just so confused on who is fighting who. I mean, yeah, there's there's Miles' crew, but the the lore has become so much more complicated in season two that yeah, it it got lost on me what this fighting is all about. Yeah, I miss uh, the Devil's a Part Timer season one. It was just fun. It was fun and it was fucking hilarious, and we didn't get much of that with the. The uh, second season. Next category is supporting character. So my choice for best supporting character goes to Arnade. 
from Vinland Saga Season 2. Interesting. Good God. Her story is incredibly tragic. She is the embodiment of the effects of violence, the impacts of violence. It's it's rough to watch. Like It's both beautiful and rough at the same time. And even though she is technically a supporting character, I feel like she goes above and beyond what any supporting character typically does. Like she impacts so much of the story in the second season, especially with Anar, Anal, and Thorfinn, and even with like Kettle and everything. Like she she I thought she was just gonna be eye candy for Anar and like for him to have a you know, a little romance or whatever, but holy shit I was wrong. She plays a very important role in the way that the story plays out. And yeah, I, I think that she's one of the best characters that we've come across in Vinland Saga. Yeah, I remember originally thinking that Arnhead, Arnezu, as she's called in the, in the Japanese Yeah, I don't dub. know how to actually say it because it sounds so different. I think it's Arn, Arnhead. Arnhead. Like Norse pronunciation or whatever. But I originally thought that she was going to be like more of a plot device, which she does serve in some respects to the story. But... Yeah, I, the way I see her is that, like you said, she is kind of like, like this is the result of what happens to a person when they're exposed to the violence like endlessly in the age of Vikings. But I also think that she represents exactly what Torfinn hopes to, like the person that Torfinn hopes to help find peace when he has the mission set in mind towards the end of season two and sort of like how to preserve Arnheid's memory in a more positive way rather than the way that she had to live her life again in this age of Vikings and of violence. My best supporting character for 2023 also came from Vinland Saga season two and that's with the character Einar or Einalu. Okay, wait, Einalu. I have to ask a question. <laughs> Did you think Einar was a, a supporting character or a main character? Because when I, when I looked it up on Mal, it said main, so I was like, all right, I'll pick somebody else. I mean, in certain respects, he does serve as a main character, but I always pictured Torfinn as the main character for Vinland Saga. Because um, he was, okay, this is a spoiler alert for history, but Torfinn was the one who discovered Vinland. <laughs> So, in that respect, he's he's a main character. Don't spoil it for me. I don't know what I don't oh want to know God. what happened. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm kidding. I know it's, it's ancient. It's history. so funny when someone's like, "Don't spoil Vinland Saga for me." I'm like, "Well, to a certain degree, you just go look it up." And... Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, with that in mind, I see Anar as a supporting character, and I think he serves the the supporting aspect of that description very well because Anar teaches Thorfinn how to be human again, despite the tragedy of how his own life has fallen to pieces at the start of this season and where it goes from there. And in that way, I think Einar has every right to be angry at the world, but instead he focuses on one mantra, which is, I have to, I have to live, that helps to push out some of Thorfinn's inner demons and Thorfinn's belief that he has nothing to live for. And the friendship that kind of blossoms between Einar and Torfinn as a result is one that provided great comedy, lighthearted comedy in these times of darkness, but also a relationship that solidifies how much one person 
needed the other in these moments. I'm glad you picked him because I, I really wanted to pick him, but then I was like, I don't know if that, that counts or not. So I'm glad we've got both Arnhaid and Anar on our lists. But jumping into my choice for worst supporting character, it's going to be Bunchen Nikolai Latasty Peace Uralis okay. from <laughs> To Your Eternity Season 2. This is really <laughs> funny, but go on. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't hate him necessarily. But as a supporting character, he just seemed to be a hindrance to Fushi. Um, and, and one of the, the weaker supporting members that he's that, that Fushi has come across on his journey. I know he played a big part in season two and he stuck around far longer than any of the other supporting characters from season one. But I don't know. Like, yeah, he had character development and yeah, he redeemed himself and he's a, he's a different person by the end of season two and he sacrificed a lot to help Fushi reach his goal and, and protect people. But I just, I don't know, I feel like he was just annoying and, and didn't have to be the way he was in the beginning um, or the middle. <laughs> I don't know, like I just, I didn't care for him very much. And I, they, I feel like the show tried to get me to care about him. And I guess maybe to a certain degree I did, but a larger part of me was like, eh, he's just there. Yeah, Bonchan was just too childish to empathize with. And yeah, his tra trajectory later in the show is one where he has a more mild-mannered personality, but that doesn't really make him any more better for us as an audience to connect with as compared to all the other characters that we've seen in Two Year Eternity that have had a significant impact on Fushi's life. Yeah, like the ones in the supporting characters in the first season have gripping stories behind them. Bonchen didn't. Like he just he he helped move things along, but he was more of a plot device than than anything else. So, yeah, I mean, his story just doesn't compare to what we had in season 1. And what a shame because his voice actor is also Takehiro Koyasu, the guy who voiced Toji, Dio, and Zeke. And he does a good job at voicing Bonchen, but you know, it's just his character in this show is not as exciting. I said it was funny that you chose Bonchen earlier because my worst antagonist for 2023 also came from To Your Eternity Season 2. Antagonist? Oh, sorry, antagonist. Worst supporting okay. character <laughs> also came from To Your Eternity Season 2, like how our best supporting characters were from Vinland Saga Season 2. But my worst supporting character for this year is Kahaku. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I had to think about that one for a second. Yeah. He's just another in a line of descendants of Hayase, who we were introduced to in season one, who is, I guess, he has a very special characteristic because he's a male descendant when there's been a long line of female descendants. And so you, you think the status quo is going to change with him being in this lineage now and i guess an uh, almost like a more modernized age but that's not the case he's just another sort of drone another sort of manipulated puppet in the cycle of hayase's descendants who is just overly obsessed with fushi i know maybe there were some points during the season where the story tried to trip you up like no he, he's different from all of them he's not and it, it just serves no, no real purpose other than to 
to see that Hayase's descendants are a, a bunch of pieces of shit. <laughs> yeah, like all the other descendants, Kohaku is just down bad for Fushi. Yeah. Moving on to the next category, we are entering the music section, and we have OP opening. So uh, this might not be super exciting or uh, surprising if you tuned into our previous episode, episode 170, which is our favorite openings and endings 2023 edition. But my choice for best OP of 2023 is River by Anonymous from Vinland Saga Season 2. Oh, damn. Surprise, surprise. It is my most played song on Spotify this year. I'm pretty much obsessed. Um, I talked uh, in great detail in the previous episode of Strictly Anime about why I love this OP, but it really boils down to amazing song, very fitting lyrics for the show and for Thorfinn's this part of his journey and awesome visuals it gives me james bond vibes at, at times it looks gorgeous because it's it's you know it's a mappa opening but it's not this like overly you know like action-packed type of opening it is something that is more subdued but it fits the show so well because this is not an action-packed part of the story see i just love the song i love the visuals i think everything came together so well and i think what i said in the last episode was like this is a perfect example of when all of the parts match perfectly and and come together to make something that is absolutely special this is going to be one of my favorite ops of all time i think the op for vinland saga season two the first one was a signal that this season was going to be drastically different and i too love it for the same reasons that you do it's just just a perfect way to sort of complement and, and summarize all of the things that are running through Torfin's mind throughout season two. And it's very different from, you know, Survive Said the Prophet, th their first OP for Vinland Saga. But again, that it, it, it puts you in the mindset of what to expect for this season. My best OP for 2023, this was a category that was hard for me to decide on best and worst, or maybe not worst, but definitely best because there were a lot of great OPs this year. But I ended up choosing Idol by Yoasobi from Oshinoko as the best OP for 2023. That's a great choice. That's a really good one. <laughs> and I think it's more so because of its cultural impact on the anime community. And I have to correct myself from our episode last week on our favorite OPs in 80s, in that this was actually the most played song in Japan in 2023. I think I said the most played song outside of Japan, but it was actually within the home country. And it was also the fastest played song in Japan at over 200, and 200 million streams. I thought you meant fastest played, like people were playing it like three times speed. It's <laughs> like, why are people playing it faster? No, I, I guess like people were flocking to listen. Like it reached to this. that number the fastest. Yeah, and so it's just it's weird because this song is a scathing critique about the idol industry that took the entertainment industry, like the anime industry, by storm. But it's just so good. It like Yosobi is just so good at at doing these songs that have these 
complex and intricate narratives about certain aspects of life. And here, it's about being part of this industry where you can be a star in the spotlight, but there are some negative things that might hide in the darkness of all the glitz and glamour. And, of course, you have the the visuals and even the song itself kind of enhancing this paradox where the music sounds like a, a parody of an idol song and then it has these haunting choral chants and then the visuals opies you have i dancing in the spotlight of a concert and then you know there are dark shadowy characters in other shots so it's just one of the more unique situations for an OP where it's, yeah, it, it highlights the best thing about anime, but in certain ways it highlights the worst thing about pop culture itself. Yeah. It's funny. Cause there's so many idol anime out there. Like idol and anime kind of go hand in hand, mm-hmm. but then you have the song, which is it's a fucking banger. It's so good. It like meshes the, the, uh, up, beat energetic sparkly nature of idols with the doom and gloom and and like creepy mystery of what's really going on behind the scenes with a lot of like the chanting parts that happen in the song this the song is really really good my choice for worst op of 2023 goes to paranoid by mad kid from junji ito maniac it just doesn't fit. Oh, I forgot about this OP. Yes, yeah, so did I. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> it's it's like too EDM and rock for something that's from Junji Ito. I think it should have been something a little more like eerie and mysterious. It didn't have to be like like creepy crawlers Halloween kind of song, but something that's like ch- like spine chilling, something that's um, spine tingling. Bone chilling? Bone chilling? Spine. Did you mix those two? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> Something that kind of like makes your hairs stand on end because that's the type of horror that Junji Ito creates. Not something that's like EDM and rocks. So like that to me is mm-hmm. more of an action packed type of scary movie or show. It just, it didn't. I, I was wholly unimpressed with this op and i think that's why i feel it's it's the worst of this year well maniac was a wholly unimpressive show despite being based on junji ito's stories uh, i'm just thinking like queen b the the singer for oshinoko's ed i think they would have been a better fit anyone would have been a better <laughs> fit. <laughs> as for me the worst op for 2023 has got to go to magical destroyer by Aimi from magical destroyers i don't know if you've listened to this op courtney it starts out pretty or starts off pretty standard like any other anime opening but then towards the the halfway point of the song it just becomes a bunch of erratic noise where the beat and the rhythm just become something incomprehensible like you're listening to very uncomfortable white noise or it's it's like a knife being stabbed into your eardrums that's what this op sounds like to me damn (laughs) (laughs) now i'm scared to listen to it and then visuals wise 
the show was created by Jun Inagawa, who is this Japanese DJ and 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 visual artist, and the the OP kind of represents his style, but then it's also like way too psychedelic, like like someone threw up a rainbow and that's what like out came this OP. So I think it's just too abstract. The, the the song and the visuals are just too abstract for my tastes to enjoy. Next, we jump into ED ending. So my choice for best ending of 2023, surprise, surprise, is Without Love by LMYK from Vinland Saga Season 2. Wow, great minds think alike. Oh, that shit. was my best choice as well. It's so good. It is a beautiful song paired with gripping visuals. And the lyrics are so powerful. Most of the time, because I'm not the music aficionado that Carl is, I hear lyrics, but I don't listen to them and what the words are actually trying to convey. I more so pay attention to the sound of the music because that's what's going to grab my attention. But this song, I always listen to the lyrics and I just love them so much I think they perfectly explain what not only Thorfinn is going through but probably Canute as well I think it it pairs well with his part of the story so yeah I think it's fantastic and while it's not the most um like like I don't know the, the the visuals are pretty subdued it's very slow moving but the landscape shots are gorgeous and then that paired with the the dreary um, moments of Thorfinn kind of like dealing with his past, dealing with his emotions, reaching out for help. I think it's it's really nice. And at the end, you have Thorfinn and Einar coming together as friends. And that's when Thorfinn's seen more of like a positive light, the colors, the sun, all of that. It's like the, the ED itself is, is, is its own story that goes along with this amazing song. Yeah. Agreed with you on all points. This ED is just an emotionally poignant song that just beautifully highlights the themes and messages of this second season, just like with the the first OP for Vinland Saga Season 2. And yeah, it includes Farmland Saga visuals to just really immerse you in the contents of this season. Well, my choice for worst ED of this year, I don't know if it's on your list as well, but this is Blooming by Liu from The Devil's a Part-Timer Season 2. I don't even remember the song. I I only remember, remember it because of the visceral reaction that I had to it. This has nothing to do with the song itself. It's, it's fine. It's whatever. Like, song aside, it's all about the visuals. No one cares about Chi. It makes me so annoyed. Uh, Chi-ho, this yeah. is like the second time, I think, that they've had an ED for the show, like fully focused on Chi. Nobody likes Chi. Only the creator likes Chi. Everyone in the fandom is like, this character sucks. We don't like her. Why is she here? I couldn't even enjoy the music or the cute art style because I actually really like the art style from from this uh, ED because it was all about Chi. I'm like, stop it. I don't care about her. So there, I vented. No one likes her. I wish they would just show some other visuals for these EDs um, for The Devil's a Part-Timer Season 2. Yeah, I would say that Chiho, I call right. That's her full name. Yeah. Whatever. Um, like she plays a more significant role in like the first half of season two. They should have chosen someone else to focus on f- uh, as 
the in the ed for the second half i want to see emmy i don't yeah. want to see chi like emmy <laughs> was more of a focal point but yeah i don't know what the fuck is with the fascination around chiho for me the worst ed is actually not from uh devil is a part-timer for me the worst ed for 2023 was little love song by mahiro shina from the angel next door spoils me rotten and spoiler alert, The Angel Next Door Spoils Me Rotten is going to appear in a couple other categories <laughs> later on. But in terms of ED, it's just a high-pitched snore fest. And it's, you know, it's it's image like with Chiho, this one's just images of the main female love interest, Mahiru, Shina, whatever the hell her name was. And it was just boring to watch. And like the episodes themselves, for me, were just a bore to watch. So... For it to end on this really sleepy sounding song nearly put me to sleep. And even though I was, I was, I was having to force myself to watch these episodes and it didn't help that this ED was nothing exciting. Yeah, I recall watching the OP from our previous episode yeah no. and it was very boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah no the the song was great but yeah the visuals are boring Th this ed is just straight up boring <laughs> all around boring <laughs> rounding out the music category though is the last category of soundtrack so my pick for best soundtrack of 2023 surprise surprise comes from vinland saga season two Solid choice. I think Yutaka Yamada. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Did not look that part up. Um, thank you for, for that so we can give credit where credit's due. All I have to say is the piano is doing work. Like I don't think I've ever experienced a piano score draw so much emotion from me. And the piano is there during the high moments, during the low moments. Like It is incredible the way that this piano carries the entire sound of Vinland Saga. Now, not every single song on the soundtrack is just a piano, but a good chunk of them are. I want to say probably what, at least 50% of them are, or mm -hmm. maybe it's just one or two songs that they use strategically. Like they, they very smartly kind of splice up throughout Vinland Saga. And it just like, it changes the way that you experience, emotionally experience this story. I, I think if they didn't have this piano going with a soundtrack for the season. It may not have hit as hard as it did. Some of these really emotional moments. Yeah. And, you know, the piano wasn't an instrument that existed back in the age of Vikings. But to your point, I think the, the composer for the series, again, Yutaka Yamada, uses it to such great effect in really conveying strong emotions. And it, it's used in like violent scenes, it's used in quiet scenes, but it still hits the nail on the head when it's used. And even outside of that, there are orchestral pieces to the soundtrack that really tug at the heartstrings. Like I'm thinking of a very pivotal moment for Torfin that was just heightened by the use of music in the scene. Or even towards the end of the, sh of the season where it, it, like it like high highlights Torfin's reinvigoration to embark on his new mission in life uh, all of that is just complemented by this fantastic soundtrack which is just as stellar as the soundtrack for the first season my choice for best soundtrack of 2023 is an odd one 
but it's because I didn't expect this soundtrack to be so fucking good. And my choice for best soundtrack of this year goes to The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses, the soundtrack of which was composed by Jimmy Thumb P, which is a, a strange... <laughs> Jimmy Thumb P? Yeah, I think it's... Like Thumpy? Jimmy Thumb P, like Thumb. Like yeah, but thumb. Like, it sounds like Thumpy if you say it. Fast. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess. <laughs> it, it, it's their, their stage name. Uh, but yeah, the music in this show, which is like a simple slice of life rom-com, is just so goddamn good for no goddamn reason. And I can't figure out why. Unless Jimmy Thump, he was like, you know what? I'm going to make this the best slice of life rom-com soundtrack that anyone has ever heard. And it is at least for right now until I watch more shows in the future. it The soundtrack just has these sweeping and glistening piano melodies that make you feel as light as a feather or just romantically entranced in the, the puppy love story between Komura and Mie. And even the lighthearted tracks that are supposed to feel tropey just feel very lively and refreshing. And I so, so I think that's why I love it so much. It's, it's so different f- for... Uh, a, a genre where you would expect more of the same kind of like like I, this is a meme but like when phil collins did the soundtrack for tarzan it did not have to go <laughs> that hard that's how i see the soundtrack for this show it's giving extra credit yes <laughs> <laughs> well my pick for worst soundtrack of the, of the year um is kind of a weird one so it's the anime the ice guy and his cool female colleague um i picked this one even though the music isn't necessarily bad so i'm not saying it's a bad soundtrack all i'm saying is that all the songs sound the same i can't tell the difference between all of these songs like to me it's just it's like they had one song on the soundtrack that they used for every fucking scene and the music is pretty like calm it's very subdued it's 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 very um relaxing kind of the way that the show is it's a it's a fluffy feel good type of romance so it's nothing that's gonna like stand out or stick out but i couldn't even really understand or like my mind the way it works with me not being a music kind of person i just couldn't like pick up on any difference differentiation between songs in the soundtrack to me it was all the same song over and over again so that's why I had to pick this one. Um, clearly, I'm wrong. There's probably a full soundtrack to this anime, unless maybe by some chance I am correct. There's only one song that they use the whole show. But yeah, that's why I picked this one. So it's not bad music. It's just the same music. Let's see. It's composed by Ruka Kawada. And so let, let's, let's go through the flow chart for anime music. Is it a rom-com? Uh... It's a romance. I guess it has some comedic elements to it. Okay, well, there you go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible soundtrack. (laughs) And that leads me to my worst soundtrack for 2023, which comes from a Slice of Life rom-com. I've mentioned it before. The Angel Next Door Spoils Me Rotten, uh, which was composed by Moe Hyuga. And... It, it fits right into the genre. This show has uninspired and simplistic melodies with plunky violin strings or piano keys. And yes, I can confirm that because I listened to the soundtrack on YouTube before we recorded. 
it's just typical of a, a low-effort rom-com or slice-of-life anime. And it's not to discount any of these anime music composers. I'm sure they did their best, but maybe they didn't just... They didn't do the extra credit like the composer for the girl I like forgot her glasses did. Moving on to the next category, we have arrived at animation which is a tough one for me. So um, this year I have chosen for best animation Jujutsu Kaisen season two. Really? Yes, which this is ironic. This is a hot take. Yes, it's <laughs> ironic. So I think in the spirit of giving credit where credit's due, as I've said you know, a couple times already on this episode, I, I think that the animation for the majority of JJK season two is gorgeous. It's insane at times. There is a unique fight scene almost every episode. And I mean, what the fuck? The level of detail in these fight scenes is unreal. The choreography is unreal. Like every single fight scene stands out on its own. Now, I recognize that there are some wavering points with the animation because of what's going on at MAPPA and, you know, just the the unrealistic deadlines and whatnot. But I think that does not take away from the fact that the majority of the show looks really good. And even when it doesn't look good, it still looks good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, there are moments where it's not maybe MAPA quality or MAPA level quality, but it is still significantly better than many other anime. So I, I think that the animation overall is is great. And I think, you know, the to add to that, I want to give that that recognition to the animators who are working so damn hard, as we all know, on this show. Yeah, I, I think you make valid points. They they basically did what they could with what they were given. So you, know, you have to still give credit where credit is due. My choice for best animation of 2023 is, is another MAPPA series, and maybe the resources that were devoted to this one are the reason why Jujutsu Kaisen's visuals, the, the animation wasn't as good as it should have been. But my choice for best animation goes to Attack on Titan, the final season, the final chapters. I guess both parts one and two. And so with in, in this case, I think MAPPA really pulled out all the stops in AOT's epic conclusion from the breathtaking action sequences to a mix of vibrant apocalyptic, and even serene backgrounds, all while still being a touch more faithful to Isayama's art style in their adaptation of the grand finale as compared to which studio's work for the prior three seasons. I just hope, like Courtney mentioned, that MAPPA animators can catch a break at some point with all the output that they had this year, and I can't imagine what's on their plate for next year, but just to refer reflect on 2023 they had aot they had vinland saga they had hell's paradise they had jujutsu kaisen all of which are like powerhouses for each of their respective seasons that they came out in so yeah again this is kind of like the darker aspect of the anime industry is these animators being overworked but still trying to do like 100 to 110 percent but like i said I, i just hope that you know like there can be a balance for them out of all of this my choice for worst animation on the flip side 
is uh, The Way of the House Husband season two. Mm. Because, I mean, it's it's been a thing since The Way of the House Husband first premiered. The animation is like animation 101. It's like what powerpoint or whatever the 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 meme is so i mean not not much to say here it's the same as it's always been it's animation without trying too hard um it it, i guess it works for the show and what they're trying to do but i still think the show would have been a little bit better with true full-blown animation and i'm pretty sure wave the house husband was my choice for worst animation back in 2021 so it's kind of like the studio didn't learn its lesson at all. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is what it is. As for my choice for worst animation of 2023, that goes to Magical Destroyers. And Jun Inagawa, who I mentioned before, was the creator for the show. He has a very unique and distinct art style. He actually did some of the artwork for Atarashigako's, some of their recent singles or one of their recent singles. But I just think his art style does not translate well to animation, in my opinion. It just looks a little too cartoony, almost like fully coolie, but not as, I guess this this might be like a paradoxical statement, not as like high quality, or I guess an oxymoron of a statement. Um, it just feels too simplistic and would probably be better suited in manga form. So, yeah, again, it just doesn't translate to the small screen. Now we move on to some of the uh, spicier and, and fun categories. Not that the other categories aren't fun, but these ones are a little more fun to uh, to choose. So the first one, or the first one, the next one that we have is Girl of 2023 so my choice for best girl goes to ashirpa from golden kamui season four so i started golden kamui this year i binged it and i've really grown to love ashirpa she's more than capable she's a leader without her the group would not have made it as far as they have and then on top of the the fact that she's a leader she's also a teacher she's not just doing things um but showing others how to do them as well she's educating others um so yeah i think ashirpa is is a really great character plus on top of that she's hilarious like she has uh, a good sense of humor and just kind of goes with the flow. And I don't know, I've, I've really, I, I've really not like connected with the character, but like I said, grown to love her and enjoy watching her throughout this show. Was Ashirpa introduced in season four? No, she's a main character. She's uh, been around okay. since day one, but um, but the season, came the season out that I'm talking, okay. I guess technically it's season four this this season or this season. This, this year, year. <laughs> so yeah it's golden comely okay got it my choice for best girl goes to one of my favorite original anime from this year and that's miri from buddy daddies i don't like her voice <laughs> <laughs> no yeah it, it does take a little bit getting used to it's not as i guess welcoming as like Anya's voice, Anya from Spy Family. And I will say that Mary starts off very naive. You know, she's just a, a young toddler. She doesn't know any better. But she turns into 
like you warm up to her because she turns into this adorable little girl who, despite the tumultuous circumstances of how she ended up with her buddy daddies, she still sees the beauty of the world through an innocent lens. And I think that's what I appreciate about her the most is just looking on the bright side of life. As long as she doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> I just I didn't watch Buddy Daddies, but I remember like you were watching it and I could hear it in the background and I'm like, who is that that's talking? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it feels like the voice actor is just screaming, screaming most of the time. But it just becomes more endearing. It's weird. It's just it became more endearing the more I watched the show. I need to hear it in context, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, my choice for worst girl of 2023 goes to Reika Tosu from My Home Hero. Reika? The daughter. Oh, okay. This yeah. dumb bitch. Yeah, she's is, pretty dumb. <laughs> is such a brat. <laughs> like, I feel bad because she was abused by her shitty boyfriend. And sure, she doesn't exactly know the lengths her parents are going to in order to protect her throughout this show. And I mean, they are going the lengths. Um, but even just in everyday life, she's a brat. She's a fucking brat. Like she whines all the time. She like, she's just like your typical teenager, which isn't she in college or something? Yeah. She's, she's a like, college student. She, she acts like a high schooler, even though she's in college and doesn't do much. She just like bums around and like lives off her parents. And I don't know. I'm like, I'm sure her tune may change or would change if she knew what her parents were doing behind the scenes, all for her sake. And I don't blame them for doing that, right? Like, that's your child. You're going to do whatever it takes to protect your child. But it just kind of sours it when the child's a fucking brat. <laughs> so, yeah, I did not like Reka. It was really hard sometimes to root for the parents when the end result was them or the end goal was them protecting this person of all people. Because so I was like, yeah, like this is great and all, but she, she's a fucking annoying character. Yeah, I guess even before Tetsuo, right, that that, that was the, the father. I think so, yeah. Um, before he even had to embark on this journey, she still would have been a brat, right? So, yeah, it's kind of like him even putting in this extra effort for his daughter who we don't think deserves it it's 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 kind of like that effort is lost in a way well my pick for worst girl of 2023 goes to runa from my love story with yamada-kun at level 999 is that the lolly chick yeah the the younger sister of i forget the other person's name okay yeah she's just an annoying jealous little sister type who just feels more like a trope than a character with real substance in the show and her initial mistreatment of the female love interest akane is horrid because she wants her, her what was like rpg group her rpg party to remain as the status guild. quo guild thank you um and that we have this newcomer who's intruding but she learns from this experience though but it, she still acts too much like a child which i get she's in grade school or whatever but would it hurt to have some common sense and social etiquette like most i would say most grade school students have that Bruna doesn't she thrives off of being the center of attention a brat yes <laughs> brats <laughs> <laughs> moving on to boy category boy for 
You didn't boy. play God of War, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know the meme. Okay, it's fine. Um, best boy, my choice for best boy of 2023, goes to Kyotaro Ichikawa from The Dangers in My Heart. This one may seem like a, kind of an an out of left field choice for those of you who watched the dangers of my heart carl has not so he's kind of shrugging right now um but he ichikawa is a weirdo kid and many of us can relate to him at least i can relate to him because we were also the weirdo kid we were the the weirdo who watched (laughs) anime (laughs) i'm looking at a picture of him right now yeah like he's like the emo weirdo kid and he acts like he doesn't care about yamada but I really enjoyed watching his story and his character growth and him slowly realize that he has feelings for her. Um, I think it was super cute. And I I love that despite not being capable of much, um, he always finds ways to help her and protect her, like in his own way, even if it's like the smallest thing, it's what he's able to do and he does it. So it doesn't have to be the biggest or splashiest you know, gesture or act of kindness or whatever, he finds what he's capable or he finds what he's able to do and does that for her. So yeah, I really liked his character. I think that he he does have elements of being a, a sundere. So maybe that my my choice is a little bit biased because I love my male sundere, but I thought he was a really fun character to watch. And I, I kind of got the, you know, protect at all costs vibes from Ichikawa in a different way. Not like cutesy little little girl way, but just, you know, a character that I found endearing. I like his little, what do you call it, emo bangs. <laughs> He's a kinda fucking emo like, kid. Um, what's his name? Ray from Promised Neverland? Yeah, kind of. Kind of similar character designs, but good. Good boy, Kyotaro. My choice for best boy of 2023 this is a selection that may come out of left field. I put Kazuya from Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 3. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I am in full agreement here. He's, he's actually not too much of a little bitch this season. Thank you. <laughs> and I think he, he thinks less with his dick this time around because he's doing all that he can to help Chizuru reach a very meaningful goal by the end of the season. And... Even in like the more emotional scenes that he's involved in, you know, he still can like his inner thoughts can still sound like a a dumb little bitch, <laughs> but he he makes very chivalrous decisions nonetheless, and so yeah, he's he's still a little boy in my eyes. He's not like husbando material material like Chizuru is waifu material. But in this case, yeah, he's he's been a pretty good boy. I'm so glad that you said that. I'm so glad that he is best boy for you because I have been rooting for Kazuya since day one. I know everyone hates him. I know he's useless, but he tries harder than many other anime characters. He he he's not a try hard, but he tries hard. <laughs> yeah, until season four comes along. So. <laughs> <laughs> Now, my pick for worst boy of 2023 goes to Junta Shiraishi from Kubo-san Won't Let Me Be Invisible. So for anyone who watched The Dangers in My Heart, the anime I just talked about, and then Kubo-san, you'll find that there's a lot of, there's several parallels between them. They kind of give off some of the same vibes, but they are very, like, distinctly different romances. Um, But when it comes to Shiraishi, I, I... 
he's not like the worst boy ever. Don't get me wrong. But he's certainly not the best from this year. And I get his whole personality is supposed to be bland and introverted because everyone doesn't even know he's in the room. He's like that bland. And that's fine. But the the problem with him is a, he's, he's also incredibly dense. Like incredibly dense. Unlike Ichikawa, which I just talked about as best boy, who can kind of pick up on some of the flirtatious vibes or some of the moments of romance, I feel like Shiraishi, like, has no idea what's going on. Kubo could be flirting up a storm and he'll be like, huh? what so to me it's like double dipping like you've got the fucking bland character which again is fine because that's the whole point of the show but then you're double dipping with the insane density of his brain and that just kind of makes it a little bit frustrating so yeah i I liked kubo-san like that anime overall um but there were times where i was like really frustrated with shiraishi he just looks like kotaro without the the emo bangs Kotaro or Kyotaro? Sorry. Oh, I was like Kotaro. <laughs> yeah, thinking of Kotaro from last year. No. Yeah, like again, there <laughs> there are a lot of parallels between these two shows, um, and I feel like the male love interest can. There's a bit of a parallel there, but so yeah, Shirai, she's just the Walmart version. Yeah, discount, <laughs> discount version. Well, my pick for worst boy of 2023 goes to. <laughs> I'm laughing at the name. Wee wee. From Jujutsu Kaisen season two. Oh, the little brother. Yeah, like seriously. <laughs> <Wee wee. laughs> w- yeah, what is the point of this little wee wee, <laughs> other than being a walking siscon trope? And where did he even come from in the in the first place? Like, why the fuck are you here? He just showed up at the beginning of the Shibuya incident arc, and I don't know why. Like, I get that he's a sorcerer and everything, and he he does help out at some point. But he just feels more like a liability than an asset. You're right. He did kind of just show up out of nowhere. I don't remember how he got introduced. He was just there. Yeah, I thought like it was a figment of uh, what was her name? May's and May's imagination. May. Yeah, May. Yeah. But no, he's he's there. Like he's he's real life, and I don't know why. That's her flesh and blood brother, apparently. So now we move on to waifu all right so my pick for best waifu of the year goes to the og waifu lum from urusei yatsura there we go she's fun she's energetic and she is fiercely loyal to ataru and the darling her little darling thing that she calls him hits just as hard as 102 says it so i was the original darling well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, but yeah, Lum is great. I, I think that Urusei Yatsura, the reboot um, that came out last year, is really good so far. David Production is doing an amazing job. And Lum is just fun. I don't know. Like, there's something about her that's she's like this, like, addicti- addicting quality to her. Like, you just kind of want to keep watching her whenever she's on screen. And then you have the hijinks that she gets into with At- Ataru and fact that he wants to be a free man and you know flirt with girls and stuff but she's like madly in love with him it's it's i don't know there's something about her character that is both endearing and like i said fun to watch and there's something about the og that cannot be topped she's an alien though right 
Yes. <laughs> yes, and she is. Didn't know aliens could look like waifus. <laughs> Welcome to anime. <laughs> <laughs> My pick for best waifu of 2023 is Kasen Tosu from My Home Hero, who is the main character Tetsuo's wife. The literal wife. Yeah, so it's it's best waifu in the most literal sense of the word. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> and it's because Kazen unexpectedly and unquestionably supports her husband in his endeavors out of a sense of justice for their family or more specifically their, their bratty daughter. <laughs> and she doesn't compromise him in any way. It's just amazing that like she... Just kind of drops everything to help Tetsuo out, even as heinous and as dire as their situation might be. I think any other wife would be like, hell no, I'm getting out of here. But she is like, no, I will support you 100% all the way. Yeah, I got to give props to her for um, being like being a dedicated member of the family. She's doing what she needs to do to protect her family. And she's pretty capable, pretty smart, pretty clever, um, a really good actress when she needs to be. So yeah, she's got, she's like the the unexpected, like the unexpected character of the show. Like you just, you wouldn't expect her to be as capable as she is or to be able to do the things that she does. But she pulls out all the stops and uh, definitely saves the day multiple times. Now, my pick for worst waifu goes to none other than Karen Inukai from My Life as Inukai-san's daughter. I know it's probably pronounced Karen, but, it, you know, in my mind, Karen Inukai. This She was my pick as well. Is, really? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. This fucking psychopath needs to stop molesting that poor dog. I, I just, I don't understand. I do not understand what she's doing, why she's doing it. She got problems. She needs some help, okay? Um, yeah, she she's into bestiality, and I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, so I picked up my life as Inukai-san's dog pretty late this year just because I knew how much vitriol you were spewing at it. I just figured, you know what, I have to see this for myself. And I don't know why I chose to do that. I don't think I gained anything from it. I, what I did gain is, yeah, the, the same opinion that you have of Inukai, which is like, why isn't PETA hunting this bitch down for her heinous crimes against canonity? <laughs> and, you know, as much as the protagonist or, or Inukai's lapdog kind of pines for her, there really isn't anything special about her besides her obscene fetish like i don't know why they're so into this girl besides the fact like oh she's she's pretty and she's like the the quiet girl next door those aren't great qualities because you're you're falling in love with like this person who's into like canine bdsm basically <laughs> it's uh it's them waifu titties yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> now we move into Husbando. I almost said best Husbando, but my pick for best Husbando of 2023 goes to, okay, let me preface this. I'm doing something that I have i don't think I've ever done before, and that's choose a, a male character who isn't actually one of my Husbandos. 
but in the spirit of giving credit where credit's due, my pick for best husbando of 2023 goes to Kento Nanami from JJK wow, season two. Really? Yes. <laughs> I, I, he is hot this season. Okay. I don't understand <laughs> what's going on. It's business time. I mean, <laughs> I get why he's one of your husbandos. I mm-hmm. get it. I, I, he may not be one of my husbandos officially, but I get it. Um, Mappa animators are going all in for all of the characters, but they are going above and beyond when they animate Nanami, especially that one shot of his face looking pissed and all like shadowed and like very rugged. Twitter went nuts over that. Like as soon as the preview for the next episode dropped and that frame came up, that is all that I saw on my Twitter feed for like the next day and a half. And if you don't know which shot I'm talking about, I'll post a screenshot of it in the Discord so that you can drool over it like the rest of the Jujutsu Kaisen fandom did. Yeah, he's the sexiest salary man of 2023. <laughs> it's like, like I looked at some shots of him from the first season, and I don't know if he's been working out, but he is buffed up. Like, he is beefcake level in season two. Like, even his shadows look like they have muscle. Like, it is just, it's great. It, it they, they did him justice for sure i'm looking at a shot of him right now where he's holding a certain character by their hair and it's one of the one of the best interrogation scenes i've seen in anime (laughs) everyone's thinking like interrogate me next yeah (laughs) i think you know it's also just because he's voiced by kenjiro tsuda yeah he has like the most soothing but also like sinister voice when he needs to make it sinister but yeah it's like Oh, like I, I get a hard on like, listening to that <laughs> and also watching Nanami do his, his stuff. As much as that was a, a good choice for Husbando, <laughs> my my pick for best Husbando is my actual number one Husbando, which is Levi Hecho from Attack on Titan, the final season, the final chapters. Because Daddy Ackerman is still tearing shit up on the battlefield despite his recent shortcomings, which I hope that there is a They'll be coming out with like a, an official battle damaged version of Levi from the final season because I would buy that figure up in a heartbeat. And also his his final action sequence in the series is just such a sight to behold. It's not on the same level as when Levi faced the Beast Titan in season three, but I think it was a perfect sort of final send off for this character that has become beloved in Attack on Titan. And yeah, just that scene also gives me a hard on. <laughs> <laughs> it's got you all bricked up. You used that before. <laughs> now you keep using this term. I so like it. weird. <laughs> so now, okay, I'm going to have a hard time with this one. So my pick for worst husbando of 2023 goes to Kea. Uto from A Girl and Her Guard Dog. My guy, I wanted to like you. I wanted to love you. You're the reason I picked this show up. Um, and and because my favorite Japanese voice actor voices you, Umehara. Uh, but then you had to go and be a predator. He's a, oh, yeah. He's a predator. You, you mentioned this. I know. I just like, why? Like the show, it hurts. It, it The cringe hurts so bad. It's like, I just, I can't process what I'm watching. So yeah, I mean, just the fact that he's a predator is enough to place him as the worst husband. Because yeah, I guess he's hot. Like you know, he's, he's, There he is, officers. Yeah. 
FBI has entered the chat. Um, I, I just, I don't know. He, like I said, he's the reason I was, I wanted to watch the show in the first place. So I was like, oh, who's that? And then I walked away saying, oh, he's a predator. <laughs> so there, that's all. That's all I can say about him. My worst husbando for 2023 is it, it, this is one that also takes husbando in the most literal sense of the word because it's Kettle from Vinland Saga season two. Oh my God. Right? Tekken Kettle <laughs> oh or God. Iron Fist Kettle. Yeah. Yeah, he is just, he is the absolute worst husband that anyone could have in the age of vikings maybe not like the worst but like the more you watch the season he, he definitely gets up there because just he, he can't control his stupid sons nor know how to navigate his emotions and he's just a big fat phony yeah it sucks it's like i really want to like kittle for his um his ability to be kind in a world that is dictated by mm-hmm. like violence and unkindness is that a word unkindness <laughs> sounds like <laughs> you know one. what i mean yeah. uh but then yeah as the season progresses and the choices he makes it just it just changes how you feel about him like it, it is it's it's a bittersweet type of relationship that i have with this character because there's so much potential but then there's so much that ruins that potential yeah, he he's sort of like the stepping stone for what a decent human could be in this world. But I think it's more so like you have to compare Kettle to Torfin and his journey, which like Torfin, I don't know if you could really consider him a husbando. I mean he could be husbando material if you you think about it. I'm um, sure there's people who think he's hot. Yeah. But obviously Kettle is is nowhere on that list next category we have couple so my choice for best couple of the year goes to tomo aizawa and june kubota from tomo chan is a girl oh i love them this anime was so good and it was uh, the show focused all about the romance and it was a complete story. I'm like, this is a good show. If, if, I highly recommend you watch it because I think it was um, it was a really good romance and, and one that wasn't just like all fluff. It was it was it was really, really funny. But it's a rom com. So maybe you'll hate the music. <laughs> maybe. But as far as Tomo and June go, they're the only ones who can keep up with one another. They're both strong tough athletic and they are loyal to each other which i i really loved and the best part is that they cherish their childhood friendship so much that both of them are equally scared to go beyond that for fear of losing each other if things don't work out and that's kind of where the the conflict quote unquote comes in with tomochan as a girl is how do they get over that fear how do they move on move to the next level in order to be together. So I, I just, I love them together. Um, and I think that their feelings are genuine and equal from both sides. And that's what that's what makes this so good because oftentimes you see romance where one person really loves the other, but the other one's not aware of it or they're not sure yet. Or they need to kind of build those romantic feelings. Here we're going into it with both of them liking each other they just need to figure out how to make it all happen. So, yeah, absolutely love their relationship. It was such a treat to watch them this year. 
And that's how a relationship should be. Just be straightforward with the person you're in love with. Just right? do it. Just <laughs> fucking do it, right? For me, the best couple of 2023, that title goes to Komura and Mie from The Girl I Like Forgot Her Glasses. And I've recommended this show to Courtney. It's just weird because their relationship is one that's very simple. It feels like what you would see in a standard rom-com where it's kind of revolved around a shtick, right? With Tomo-chan, I'm assuming it's kind of like how she has these sort of like masculine qualities and how that kind of interferes with her kind of chasing what's the character June. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the girl I like forgot her glasses, the shtick is that it's uh, Komura who has to constantly help Mie because she either forgot her glasses at home or, or they broke due to some situation. But I think it like it all depends on how the the journey, the romantic journey between the characters is executed. And I think it's very well executed in the show. The relationship between these two characters is very reminiscent to me of the relationship between Tadano and Komi from Komi Can't Communicate, where the male does his best to guide the female through everyday obstacles. Although in this case, Mie's personality is kind of the opposite of Komi's, where it revolves more around her resting bitch face and her general confusion of what she's exactly looking at. And so Komura is there to kind of help her out of sticky situations and she kind of shows her appreciation in like not so straightforward, like subtle ways. I think it's just a very sweet and wholesome kind of puppy love between two grade school kids. And that's what I appreciate the most about their relationship. I'm interested in watching it, especially after our last episode about OPs and EDs when um preparation for that i i watched the op and i was like holy shit this looks fucking amazing uh yeah i, I put it on my watch list so i plan to watch it soon now my pick for worst couple of 2023 um i guess won't come as a surprise based on my pick for worst husbando and that's isaku senagaki and keia uto from a girl and her guard dog so let me paint this picture for you she's 15 and he's 26. She has a, <laughs> she has a crush on him. He is her guardian and her caretaker who has been raising her since she was a child. And raising I, or grooming. <laughs> and I also think that he has a crush on her. Um it was it's, it's it's tough to watch. Like I just again the cringe was strong with this one. Uh I don't know what I was watching um i just i was nervous the whole time i'm like is this am i allowed to watch this there he is officers (laughs) (laughs) so yeah long story short um the age gap here is uh is probably why i'm choosing this as the worst couple of the year i'm getting mad flashbacks to marmalade boy like I, I haven't watched the what was this show the guard dog and the, the girl, girl and her guard dog <laughs> and yeah just nope 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 <laughs> for me the worst couple of 2023 i mentioned the show already <laughs> should be no surprise here that title goes to amane and mahiru from the angel next door spoils me rotten which i just noticed the two anime i mentioned in this category revolve around a subject 
and like this this predicate that is their shtick. The girl I like forgot her glasses. The angel next door spoils me rotten. Like it's like a pun or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the couple in this show, I could not find myself rooting for these two to end up together at all. And I think I also found it annoying like the way that they talk. It's as if they're being passive aggressive to each other. Like I don't know if that's their idea of flirting, but I think that also is the reason why I was bored every episode. Nothing spectacular happens between them. And granted, nothing really spectacular happens between Komura and Mie, but I think that shtick is just something that there, there's something more appealing about that and something where you find more engaging. The fact that these two kind of spoil each other, th- there's nothing fun about that. Or maybe, you know, some hopeless romantics out there will get a kick out of it. I didn't because I found myself falling asleep by the end of each episode. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) We're approaching the last few categories for this year's episode. So next we're going to talk about story. My choice for best story of the year goes to Attack on Titan, the final season, the final chapters. Let's fucking go. That was my choice for best story as well. I mean, I there were a lot of great stories out there, um, a lot of them. But I, when it comes to the best story that um, I've experienced or that we've experienced in anime in recent memory, it, it's it's got to be Attack on Titan. So, of course, Attack on Titan is going to take it for um, for this year. And while the ending was not the most, like, blow-your-mind ending in the world, right? Like, there are some crazier things that have happened in Attack on Titan versus the way the ending played out. I still think it was a great ending, and it was a solid ending. And that's all I could ask for. I'd rather have... Um, I guess you could, some might call it the safe ending, right? Like I'd rather have a solid ending that um, is satisfactory and actually closes out the story in a meaningful but like logical way than have something that tries to do something unique and fails miserably. So I thought that this was great. I thought that um, it was a fitting end to one of the best and most well-written stories um, of all time. And yeah, I can't say more. I was very happy with it. To give my two cents with AOT, I know manga readers were trying to warn us about an ending that would prove to be controversial, but rest assured, after giving it some very detailed thought, as evidenced in our part one and part two reviews of the final chapters, I can safely say that the story of AOT concluded in a satisfying way. Like Courtney said, it wasn't like this, this, oh my God, what the fuck kind of ending, but just one that was just, it was just enough. I guess that's how I'll put it. And sure, there were some changes to the flow of scenes and certain pieces of dialogue from the original manga, but I think they were all choices that didn't compromise the true messages that Hajime Isayama, the creator for AOT, the messages that he wanted the reader or the viewer to walk away with when completing this series. And from that, I got an immense sense of relief and of closure, although I doubt there will ever be another story in anime that will captivate me as much as Attack on Titan did. Although I guess people said the same thing about Code Geass, 
So we just have to wait for that that next big thing in anime to come out where it might also be one of the greatest stories ever told. I imagine it'll take years. Um, and that's okay. I, I'm happy to wait for something that is amazing. Now for my pick for worst story of the year. It's got to go to my life as Inukai-san's dog because I don't even mm. know what the story is. There is no story. <laughs> it's just smut with a mutt. That's what this the show oh, is. That's catchy. I mean, I get it. It's an etchy. It's fan service. But like... I don't know what kind of fans these are supposed to be servicing. <laughs> yeah, it's it, this show was it, this was n- not for me. Well, let let me tell you, I, I I watched the show, and there is some kind of overarching plot that builds up. It plot, uh, yes, <laughs> plot in both senses of the word. I guess uh, it goes nowhere. So don't even if you haven't watched it, don't even bother. Like unless you are a tr- if you want to be like a true anime degenerate, then go watch the show. But for everyone else, don't waste your time. <laughs> Report this show to PETA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick my worst story for 2023. Although this may have been on your honorable mentions, I picked Two Year Eternity season two. I thought about it, but I felt like Inukai-san's dog was worse. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a justifiable answer. But for, for To Your Eternity, how does a story that hit all the right notes in its first season fall off so fucking hard? This feels like the curse of the not-so-great second season of an anime that we've seen time and again. And the, the climax of season two felt like it undid all the goodwill and emotional resonance that we got with every major player of Fushi's life up until this point. That I I no longer know what the takeaway message of this show is supposed to be. Like before, I thought it was about like, you know, the meaning of life, the purpose of life, and, and what you make of it. I don't know what to make of this show anymore. But it's it's sad to say that although it may not be as bad, this season of Two Year Eternity felt like the Promised Neverland season two all over again. And it's such a damn shame. Yeah, I agree. I just I I I feel like there was nothing truly special or at least on the level of special that we got in season one. And you're right, like that that major plot twist just undid everything all the emotion that we felt in season one i that that hurt because the emotion that we felt in season one was one of the best parts about to your eternity so yeah i agree i mean solid choice for worst story this year moving on to the next category it's anime season from this year so i had a really hard time with this um i specifically when it came to um, the best season that we had this year. So my pick for best anime season is spring 2023. Although, honestly, I could have picked summer or fall. It's weird because hmm. normally the summer season tends to be the lowest performing season, the lowest offering that we get. But I thought spring, summer, and fall were evenly stacked. But I ended up choosing spring because it was a 
bit more impressive in its lineup than the other three seasons. Some of the highlights from spring were Demon Slayer, Oshinoko, Hell's Paradise, Dr. Stone, Heavenly Delusion was a great um, original, not original, a great new anime um, that uh, I thought was super impressive. So yeah, I think spring was exciting and it, uh, it was a good way to kind of get the ball rolling for the year because then, like I said, we had back-to-back solid seasons from there. Yeah, this was a hard category to to choose the selections from because I would say like it was a pretty evenly paced year for anime. Although my pick for best anime season for this year actually goes to winter 2023. I just thought that it was a, a solid start to the year and it had enough content to, to keep us warm and toasty during the early months of hibernation. And just to kind of give a, a rundown, we had the return of Vinland Saga, the return of Tokyo Revengers, the return of Attack on Titan, at least uh, Final Chapters Part 1, the quote-unquote return of Demon Slayer through a weird sneak peek of a movie, the return of Two Year Eternity before it fell off, the conclusion of My Hero Season 6, and some new hits like Buddy Daddies and Trigun Stampede. So there were still a lot of great offerings, I feel, in, in winter to get us started on what would be, like I said, a, a very evenly paced but great year in anime. So interesting that you say that because my choice for the worst anime season oh, this year boy. was winter 2023. Now, that's not to say that it was a bad season because, as you mentioned, we had great hits like Villain Saga Season 2. Bungo Stray Dogs also came out. Tomochan is a Girl came out that season. Uh, it also did have Inukai-san's dog, though. <laughs> but I just felt like of the rest of the seasons, like winter... Winter to me was the break that we needed from fall 2022. Winter 2023 could not live up to fall 2022. And and if for those who don't remember, fall 2022, last the, the end of last year was Chainsaw Man, um was it Mob Psycho also during that time. It was yeah. like the craziest lineup, just like absolute stacked season. We haven't had a season that stacked in years. Um, so for winter, I felt like everyone put their good stuff in fall 2022, leaving winter 2023 not to be bare necessarily, but to not be as exciting. So we needed to have that break um, from so much amazing anime at the end of last year. On the flip side, yeah, this isn't like worst by the most extreme definition of the word but my worst anime season for this year went to summer 2023 even though there were a lot of big names over the summer like bleach uh, jujutsu kaisen uh, with the the prequel arc and zom 100 although that was up to a point and then it's i think it's about to wrap up over the holidays Um, even though all of those shows were kind of the the main headliners to to carry the summer i just feel like kind of as usual summer wasn't as heavy of a hitter as the other seasons for this year yeah i mean all in all like like we both said like the the this year was evenly stacked evenly paced so 
I think it was good. Like it was nice to not have to have these highs and lows of seasons. It was it was nice to be able to rely on every season to deliver something good. Our second to last category is moment of 2023. So for anyone who's not familiar with this category, it's it's a moment that comes from like anime or the anime industry or even in the anime community to something that happened that sticks in your memory. So my choice for best moment of 2023 is witnessing anime history being made with the conclusion of Attack on Titan. Mm, That's a good moment. I, I love it. I mean, we have been on this Attack on Titan journey since the very beginning um, Attack on Titan has such a an enormous and dedicated fan base and being able to get hype with the community, being able to theorize and um, analyze and have that incredible discourse with other AOT fans while the show was airing it was great. And I think the best part of it is that we didn't have to witness the conclusion in anything but tv format or to be more specific episodic format now i know technically the um aot specials the final chapters were kind of like two movies but we didn't have to uh worry about the conclusion showing up in movie format in the big screen like normally i would be like oh my god an aot movie that's gonna be epic but there's something special about being able to watch alongside a community and that's not as easy to do in theaters because of certain uh, countries not being able to release things at the same time in theaters um, or the the act of having to physically go to the theaters may not be easy for everybody um, or accessible to everybody so being able to watch AOT from the comfort of our own homes and being able to discuss it online immediately after that is one of the most special things about being an anime fan i'm looking at you jojo fans let's all talk about Mm -hmm. stone ocean once again um so yeah being able to do that really made this feel as historic as i believe it was yeah i'm just glad that this 10-year run was was worth it (laughs) especially for (laughs) a show that helped bring me back into the fold of anime and i still feel like my my heart is empty right now knowing that there will never be another season of attack on titan to look forward to uh, but yeah it, a- aot was one of those unique cultural phenomenon in anime and the the thing that i've compared it to the most is like when game of thrones was the biggest thing on tv but knowing how that ended up being a train wreck made me really worried for what was going to be the finale for attack on titan and as i said before i'm i'm glad that i got the the sense of closure that i needed with the conclusion to this series and also i have not been spoiled about the ending throughout all of these 10 years and i know like the manga wrapped up in 2021 i made sure to hide every relevant hashtag on social media to avoid any posts related to the ending of aot um so I, I kind of pat myself on the back that this is one of the few shows in anime that I've been the least spoiled about. But yeah, all in all, like you said, it's just great to to be a part of 
anime history and to have been a part of this huge community that has rallied together and, and watched what has truly become not just like an anime epic, but just a pop culture epic of all time. My best moment of 2023, however, actually goes to a moment in an anime. <laughs> and I give that title to Torfin's Redemption from Vinland Saga Season 2. Ooh, yeah. That was good shit. Yeah, I don't know if there was any other scene in anime this year that rocked me like this scene. And I gotta admit that I was a little teary-eyed as I saw Torfin finally learn to forgive himself and push himself towards a better future. And it's all set to this visual metaphor that forces him to literally revisit his past demons. But the mix of high-caliber visuals, of sounds, of voice acting, of music, of emotion, it all came together exquisitely in a scene that will definitely go down in anime history. And it is a scene that I think beautifully covers something so vulnerable in human nature and in the human spirit that though we may sometimes be weighed down by the guilt of our past actions, it does not always have to define who we can be moving forward. And it's this message of self-love and forgiveness that I think anyone, anime fan or not, should embrace and appreciate. But I'm grateful that Vinland Saga Season 2 conveyed this message through this scene of Torfin's Redemption in the most heart-wrenching but emotionally gratifying way. Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, Vinland Saga Season 2 was just beautiful. And that's weird to say for a show that has as much violence as it does. It was just phenomenal. And um, I agree. I think that that moment was... it. It had both like this intense weight to it, but also made you feel like so much was lifted from your shoulders. Like you get to, you mm-hmm. experienced what Thorfinn was experiencing and you could you could feel the moment he could finally breathe with freedom. My pick for worst moment of 2023, however, goes to the controversy around the poor work environment for the animators at MAPPA. Uh, Yeah, I mean, like, you you can look up the details um, if you're not as familiar with it, but it's been a hot topic for quite a while now. Um, As Carl mentioned, MAPPA has had some amazing anime, um, some some heavy hitters come out this year, but the animators are pushing back and are being more vocal about what it takes to create those heavy hitters. And it's, it's so tough, right, because you want an anime to look amazing like you want a show to be incredible um but you all it's it's hard to always want that when you realize what it costs to create that and then uh, I, see i'm like struggling to to articulate this right because it's it's such a uh, a delicate balance that that studios have to strike in order to have an amazing end product but still have a, 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 a satisfactory, at minimum, satisfactory work environment for the people creating these works of art. And kind of like how I said with Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 being my, my pick for best animation this year, I, even though there are moments where the animation falters or doesn't look as good or doesn't live up to MAPA quality, I don't think that we shouldn't still acknowledge 
the work that's been put into it for those amazing scenes or even those less amazing scenes because I'm sure it still took a lot of effort to make them. Um, so yeah, it's it's just a really tough situation because as an anime fan, I want the best and the most amazing quality. But as a human, I want those animators to have the best work environment possible. Yeah, it's it's just a shame. And I, I think this has always been an elephant in the room when it comes to the anime industry. And I know there have been memes that have been made about it, but it is it is a topic that is getting more light now. And I think it's a good thing that it is um, because, yeah, it's, it's just insane how how these animators have to work such grueling schedules and meet these tight deadlines all, all in the name of like generating revenue and, and hype for these anime that are coming out. And I think it's just because of how anime has escalated as as a medium and you know like the availability of technology now, but also like the, this this push for like instant gratification and, and meeting demand that it's just it's become this own monster and as i said earlier i just hope that th there's a balance that can be met i don't know if it means like trying to pump the brakes when it comes to anime released every year and i know that's probably not a reality but you know at some point i think the industry is going to face dire consequences if this situation isn't kept under control I mean, we say it all the time here at Strictly Anime. We would rather wait longer for something and have it be great than to have to see something sooner and have it be not what it could be if the animators and the studio were granted enough time to do something to a reasonable extent, right? Like, um, you know, I think that we all want to say that we should give the animators as much time as possible. We, but we also have to remember that anime is a business to a certain point or mm -hmm. to, to certain parties. Um, so it's just trying to work through it and find that balance so that the business gets what it wants, but the animators get what they need. As for my worst moment of 2023, I attribute that to a moment in an anime, but not just one moment. It's all the moments all the lewd moments in my life as Inukai-san's dog. As I mentioned earlier, I picked up this anime because I'm fucking stupid, and I watched this anime uncensored because I am a degenerate, and I fully regret this decision. The lewdness in the show, I'll admit, is not necessarily for the sake of lewdness, because for the most part, the main character's dog form it just happens to end up in these sexually compromising situations. But does that really justify the performance of these scenes in any way? And I, I, I know Courtney watched the first episode and there was, there was the, the bath scene. And that was where you were like, I've seen enough and I'm satisfied. I pulled the Dio. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to just keep going, even though I, I felt like, my morality was breaking down with every episode and it, it, it just gets worse from there. Like there are, there are moments where it's like the dog ends up going like upskirt, um, one of the, the main characters and it's just, it's just a bad time. And, and yes, dogs are supposed to be love, lovable animals, 
but not this kind of lovable. Like, my God, man. I know it's tough because, like, at least from the first episode, I really liked the dog, which I know is, like, a human reincarnated into a dog or whatever. Um, and I, I like, don't want to blame the dog because it seems like it's all perpetuated by the girls in the show. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, the whole thing is just awful. <laughs> it's just awful. The poor dog. I don't know. It's just, it's it's no good. I, I'm glad that I didn't see the rest of this show because what I saw in episode one was enough. And then I went online and people were like, yeah, if, if you didn't like episode one, just get ready because it gets worse from here. And I was like, okay, no, I'm good. Oh, I forgot. Like I forgot the dog's name. It was actually Pochita. It was. Pochita. Yeah. Yeah. So Which is so is, funny. Yeah, this is the Walmart version of Pochita. Uh, you'd rather have the Pochita from Chainsaw Man, but yeah, this this show. And finally, we have arrived to the last category, which is anime, <laughs> specifically the best and worst anime of 2023. So, without further ado. Ladies and gentlemen, my pick for best anime of 2023 is Vinland Saga Season 2. Oh. <laughs> what? What did you do? <laughs> no, I mean, I'll wait on my best anime. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know in past years, it's been Attack on Titan, rightfully so. And this was a very, very difficult choice because I know that... Um, Attack on Titan has concluded. History has been made, and I really enjoyed it. But I just didn't enjoy it as much as Vinland Saga Season 2. I mean, I've sung my praises throughout this episode because Vinland Saga has shown up on multiple bests for me, uh, most multiple categories. But really, to summarize it, Vinland Saga Season 2 was incredible storytelling by MAPPA and by the creator. It it was just powerful every single episode. Um, and despite the very divisive 180 turn in the story, um, I think that it was a massive success. And the creator took a huge, a, a huge risk by doing that kind of move, making that kind of pivot. And I, I think it paid off. I think it was just a phenomenal story. Um, and everything from the pacing to the music to the visuals it was just perfection i loved it okay so what <laughs> i'm in a bit of a predicament here why would you do because my expectation was that you would say the best anime of 2023 was going to be attack on titan the final season the final chapters and that we would have a ranking for the best anime of 2023 that isn't Attack on Titan, because we've yes. been doing that for for the past two years now. <laughs> yeah, for anyone who's not not familiar, who hasn't listened to our other best and worst episodes, like I said, typically the past couple of years, Attack on Titan has been our choice for the best anime of the year, and we kind of like anticipated that, so then we had a, a subcategory, which was the best anime of 2023 that isn't AOT. So what does this mean, then? <laughs> because I, I, I put... Attack on Titan as the best anime of 2023 with that expectation, though. You could still do it. We'll still have it for you. Subcategory. Okay, but, but then that goes into like the honorable mentions sort of thing. No, like, we, we, it's tradition okay. now. It's tradition. Okay. Well, I guess if 
to use this as the last year of this fun tradition, <laughs> my best anime of 2023 was Attack on Titan, the final season, the final chapters. And yes, that was technically our choice for last year and the year before that. But for a series that's been going on for so long that has not felt stale or slowed down even up to this point, I think is extremely impressive. And as I mentioned before, the ending knocked me off my feet and left me in a state of melancholy bliss after all was said and done because I got the closure that I needed, but I will never fully recover from the fact that the 10-year run of AOT's anime adaptation is over. But just what a great feeling it was this year to have witnessed this piece of anime history and to have lived in the time of Attack on Titan. That's something that we can say to our son, like down the road, you know, <laughs> like that. I think it's that WWE meme of Vince McMahon, and like if our son were to pose the question, like, "Dad, what's Attack on Titan?" and I would just start to well up with tears, and I would just do like the cutting motion with my my hands, like, like cut the cameras, just like that <laughs> dumb meme. Um, but I guess to to, to break from tradition and choose the best anime of 2023 that isn't Attack on Titan, I too would go with Vinland Saga Season 2. Hell yeah. Because I think it was one of the few anime this year that we both gave a, a 10 out of 10. Yes. And even though Farmland Saga may have been divisive for some, for me it was such a vast reflection of the complexity of human nature and a captivating study of seeing humans at their most broken and witnessing how they can endure and rise above that. The violent nature of the Viking Age was still at play in the series, but in season two, it became less of the focal point as Torfinn and his supporting cast are made to wonder if there is more to life than vengeance and bloodshed. And as lofty of a question as that may be, it's still one that Torfinn seeks to answer with a reinvigorated sense of hope in the world. And this is all done through masterful storytelling in sequences both grand and tranquil, alongside a visual and audible palette that continues to make this series stand above the rest in terms of its impeccable quality. So there's no doubt in my mind that Vinland Saga Season 2 was peak anime for 2023. And I am doubly glad that with this year, the series has finally got the recognition that it deserves. Farming has never been so fucking emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and to close out my list, my pick for worst anime of 2023 is, say it with me, everybody, My, my Life, Life as, as Inukai-san's Inukai dog. dog. That was my pick as well. There you go. It is too much. It's just too much. We've said what we needed to say. <laughs> if you want, if you're curious enough and you're willing to take a risk, go watch My Life as Inukai-san's dog. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but you know, maybe curiosity is getting the better of you, as it did with us. Um, and I shouldn't have let it do that. So yeah, that's the worst. My final thoughts on the show. This is the show that your parents probably think of when they find out you watch anime. And for that fact, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> this show made me not only question who exactly is supposed to enjoy these kinds of vitriolic scenes, 
It also made me question my own humanity in choosing to consume this piece of foul material that calls itself entertainment. And if you want to be a fucking degenerate as well, you can join me in having the displeasure of having had to watch this anime. But if you don't, then God bless you. You've made an even better decision than I have. Fuck this show. (laughs) There you have it. Thank you so much, anime in 2023, for giving us a wild ride, for giving us some amazing stories to experience and maybe some not-so-amazing things to experience. Um, Let us know, everyone, what you guys pick for best and worst of any of these categories, especially your picks for best and worst anime of the year. The best way to do so is to join our Discord. Again, link is in the description if you're not already a member, but we're we're curious to know (laughs) what you guys enjoyed and what you guys hated. Because I'm sure a lot of you have seen a ton of anime this year. And just thank you as well for continuing to be part of our Strictly Anime podcast. As we said earlier, 2023 was such a big year for us. And a lot of that is because of the new addition to our family. But we are also grateful to all of you for continuing to be with us on this anime journey and being part of our Strictly Anime family. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts. We know that um, there have been some weird things going on, you know, schedule things and, you know, changes and, and different topics that we've tried. Like, thank you for being patient with us and going on this journey with us. It's been a wonderful year and we can't wait to see what 2024 has in store because there's some fun stuff coming up in anime. I was putting together my watch list on Mal for the next season and I'm like, dang. There's some good stuff to look forward to. Yeah, to quote CJ from GTA San Andreas, ah, shit, here we go again. Thank you guys so much for all of your love and support through 2023. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year, and we'll see you in 2024. And don't forget, you can get your own Tokyo treat box packed with exclusive Japanese snacks by following the link in the description and using code STRICTLYANIME for $5 off your first box. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries. And tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. <laughs>